The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite, CDW, and Ford. Hey, everybody. Big week of football up here at Hallisaw. Kicked off today with the family reunion of Devin Hester and Matt Forte, two great Bears that signed one-day contracts and then officially retired from the sport that they love and played since they were toddlers. Welcome into our program tonight, Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, my broadcast partner from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, WBBM, Mr. Tom Thayer, and from his Michigan home, Big Jim Miller. I don't know. Are you are you in <laughs> Dallas yet? I'm just guessing you're at home. Yeah, I am at home. Uh, I'll be heading out to Dallas on Wednesday night, so it's just around the corner, fellas. So yeah. exciting time of the year. Yes, it is. Great weekend. Tomorrow, of course, uh, the annual Brian Piccolo Award going to a veteran and a rookie uh, voted on by teammates. Uh, that'll be tomorrow morning, and we'll hear from General Manager Ryan Pace tomorrow. Give us a little snapshot look from his viewpoint on the draft. And then a little breather on Wednesday, and we get down to work, fellas. Thursday with draft night and round one. So it should be an exciting week. Uh, just overall, overall, about the Hester and Forte ceremony today. I don't know if you guys had a chance. I know, Jim, you are probably on the air, but you probably read some things and, and saw some things about it. It was very well done by the Bears. Thought it was an outstanding a goodbye and a framing of their careers, fellas. I think it's great for both, for the Bears and for the ex-players, because last week I was talking here is how important the communities of support come to the Chicago Bears players that have the um, the good fortune to have a long career. And I think it's a nice sign not only to show the, the fans um, the gratitude that these players have for them and how much it means to be in the Chicagoland area and around the Chicago Bears franchise. And then personally, I'm impressed with Matt and Devin both because I know how much effort they put into the offseason to make sure that they were prepared when the regular season started. And after seeing running backs around the league and some running backs that are special like Matt, that you don't need to encourage a guy to be in shape and prepared for what he's going to go through and then what he can do out of the backfield and what Devin did for his position to, you know, if there's a punter and kicker in the in the Hall of Fame, then Devin's got to get consideration because he's changed the way of life for both of those positions. Yeah, well, congratulations to both of them. They're they're Chicago Bears for life now. Uh, the way they retired as Chicago, and I just think it it just shows a little bit about the the mutual, uh, you know, mutual respect. You know, just how both those players grew on and off the field. And I've said this before. I, I think you know Matt Forte is the ultimate uh, class guy. Just how he really carried himself in Chicago. I think the the Bears as an ownership, you know, they appreciate that. Both these young men have grown uh, as as men. You know. Uh, over the years as well so and their impact on the game is undeniable obviously Hester like you said I think he'll he'll be a Hall of Fame consideration and should be as is he's the best all time in terms of the return game and and Matt Forte what a very productive career and it it didn't take long for him to be productive and in the era of three down backs that's all we talk about now and that's what Matt Forte was so congratulations to to both men and it was a a nice uh, ceremony and really celebration uh, so to so to speak of these players as they enter retirement now well we might uh, be able to talk to Matt Forte tonight uh, could be calling in he's got some travel things going on but hope to hear from Matt but a couple of things stuck with me fellas and I had a chance to sit down with both of them 
uh, for the Bears for future programming and, and so forth, and basically just you know getting it on uh, getting it on tape uh, how they viewed their careers and when they got here and what went on. And you know Matt Forte really thanked his parents in great detail, uh, not only in the uh, the actual presentation and ceremony today, but just in general. And on draft day, when he gets the call in 2008 as the 44th pick. He was very excited, certainly at his home down in Slidell, Louisiana. But the first thing his father did, who played college football, he pulled him aside. He said, hey, congratulations. You're an NFL player now. He goes, the work's now just beginning. And it really put Matt back on his heels a little bit. And it really set the course for his work ethic. And, you know, Tom and I have had the great fortune of being in that locker room, seeing these guys get ready for games and getting ready for their weeks. And like you said, Jim, professionalism personified with Matt Forte. He, he he treated it as professionally as you possibly could from the moment he arrived here at Hallisaw and, and just built built on it throughout the course of his career. He walked the walk, man. And, you know, it's you know it's one thing saying it, and it's another thing doing it. He would go run those, those, at that grueling hill, the same hill that Walter Payton ran, and he had video to document it. You know, he did – he put in the work to get out – what he wanted uh, to achieve, not only for himself, but for his football team, uh, consummate professional, like you said, because he was always ready to roll. You know, and a very durable player. I know he had a, a couple incidents, uh, scary moments with, with the knee, but, man, the guy always overcame everything and, for the most part, was a durable player and always gave his best and certainly high, highlight real plays with some of the stuff he would do. His ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, and, again, I just think, you know, he's a great teammate. When you don't hear one player who's played with you say a bad word about you, and Matt Forte was always doing it the right way. You know, one thing about Matt, it's nice to hear the words of support back to his mom and dad for everything they gave him because all the players around the NFL, some way, shape, or form, there's an adult that kind of set the path for these guys and gave them the confidence and the advice to even, you know, take that next step. You know, Matt's the type of guy that had a career that when he went to the Jets, they brought him there because of his leadership qualities as well as his athletic ability. And so for Matt to take what he learned as a young man from his parents growing up and then the words of advice they gave him he's able to share that with players that are going to go on for the next 10 years and then start you know start passing that message along and I think that's neat when you look at these guys and you think of the influence they have not only because they were great players but they're really they're great character people and here's how he wants to be remembered by Bears fans. That I gave it all on on the field, every every single play. That's what I wanted. I, I didn't say it, you know, in the media and stuff. Like I'm gonna give them all, but I wanted to show it out there. So every time, you know, there was a game, and uh, we're playing, I don't matter. It doesn't matter if we were down by 100 points. I'm still gonna run the ball, you know, as hard as I, I can. Uh, and the end result, fellas, is that in his 10 years as an NFL running back, dual threat running back, could have been a wide receiver. Many scouts told me that repeatedly. He finished number one in yards from scrimmage. And that that draft class in 2008 had backs just like him, whether it had more speed or they were better this or better that. That was a heck of a running back draft class, if you remember. And he finished number one. He was in the eight years with the Bears also at that time. But then, if you include the Jets, he was number one in that 10-year period. So 
You know, too, Jeff. You put is, some teeth into it is what I'm saying. Well, you know, you get that that kind of a, that mark of, you know, a, a, as far as a running back yards per carry. Matt Forte finishing with 4.2 yards per carry, you know, 9,000 plus, 9,796 yards. I mean, that's a lot of abuse because, you know, yeah, you get those longer runs that add to that 4.2 yards per carry, but there's a lot of one and two yard abusive runs in there in the goal line and short yards and stuff that, man, to me – 4.2 yards per carry, it's one stat, but it says a lot about a guy's willingness to um, you know, continue the trail of first downs. I look at Jim at the 15, nearly 15,000 yards from scrimmage, though, because, you know, did Matt have the burner speed? Heck no. But once he got to the second level and he put that foot in the ground and he made that sharp cut, he was running away from people. And he, he did it in the passing game. He was just terrific. His, his flexibility and his ability is... His control uh, and and ability to make tough catches and win on routes—that's the understated part of it. Yeah, he's just a pure football player. You know, you just wonder about that. You know, because that was the thing him coming out in that drive. Oh, he's not as fast as the other backs, but nobody's ever tackling him or tracking him down, like you said, Jeff. So I think there is something to be said about actual game speed and just how elusive he was. He set up. Uh, the defenders, I mean, he was incredible how he did. He had those loose hips and how he could set defenders up and slash and, and then accelerate when he needed to, and he could manipulate his speeds uh, pretty well. And if it was open field, nine times out of ten, he was going to get it. They, nobody was catching him uh, from behind. But, he, again, he, he worked at it. He was a worker bee in terms of his training that allowed him to be that type of workhorse running back. And now it's kind of the – you know that's a badge of courage today. These teams come uh, drafting here on Thursday. They want a three-down running back. They want an Ezekiel Elliott. They want a Matt Forte type of back that they don't have to take off the field. You know, think of even a great back that was in division, Adrian Peterson. Nobody thinks of him as a third-down back. Not one person in the NFL, as great as he was as a runner, hmm. Matt Forte offered more. He offered more as a player and did more as a player on game days. And he hung on to the football as well. And working as well, Devin Hester. He put in a lot of effort, a lot of work to get his craft exactly the way it needed to be. Uh, he was very emotional today about his retirement as he was driving up to Hallis Hall. It hit him. It's tough, man. At 35 years, you know, this is my first time saying no to football. It's all I knew. And to be here to say that, you know, this is my last time picking up a ball and, you know, playing football is tough. And it is, fellas. You both had to do it. It, Yeah, it is. It's You know, it's different because, you know, I think when you're an offensive lineman and you're an every-down player, you kind of beat the desire out of yourself to really go out there and want to do in the offseason what you need to do to ha- to make sure you're there and ready for the, for the regular season. So there, it's kind of weird. It's You wish you could play forever. But there's also a little bit of relief when it's over, just knowing that some of the pressure that's going to be relieved from your life. So, you know, Devin, it's it's a little different, man. He made high-impact plays in important areas and sometimes controlled football games because of it. And I think it's a little different that goes out that a guy that goes out there and has 10, 12 impact plays a game, whereas if you're an offensive lineman and you're going through those um, you know trials of that position every day. And, you know, it's interesting because here, you know, we'll see what happens to the kickoffs in the NFL because, I mean, there to me is no more electrifying play than a punt return or a kick return. 
and just you know the emotions like what what Tom said of, of what he probably felt on game day knowing hey I, I'm going to take this one back and just how th- you can get 80,000 people in a stadium to stand up quicker than anything when that dude was touching the football. I mean, he was electric. You'd say it, Jeff, in your broadcast. You could see your enthusiasm jump and how the impact it had on you. It's, you're ridiculous. Right. You know, but that's quite a rush for, for a football player, and you do miss it. and You do miss uh, being around the guys, and probably nobody was more exciting to, to watch than him with how he could get Bears fans at home off of their couch seats and everybody in that stadium off their seats at the same time. Well, and he, uh, you know, it's interesting. He did it from the time he was a little kid. He told me that, and I don't know, I never heard this before. The first time he ever returned uh, a ball for a touchdown in Pee Wee, it was the first time he ever took the field in Pee Wee. And the first time he ever took the field in high school, he took it to the house. The first time he ever played in the Orange Bowl at Miami, he took it to the house. His first game as a Chicago Bear in the NFL was week one, 2006 at Lambeau. He took it to the house. He opens the Super Bowl, and to this day, I, I, I didn't even consider the possibility, took it to the house. It it is just him, and he admits it. He said, "It's just what I but do. It's you know, just what I did. You know, it's normalcy for him, right? right? But you know, one time I was sitting in the video room with Devin Hester, and we were watching a video of his high school all star game. I was with you, right? And Devin, he has grown up around greatness, and he was great of the other young athletes and the development of the kids as they were growing up. And Devin pointed out. Of this college, all this high school all-star game, probably 20 of them, 25 of them have gone on to have Division One scholarships and play at a high level and then go on to become pros. And it was impressive. So Devin's been surrounded by great challenges, and he's been able to always rise to the top. Well, he is at the top, and no one's going to catch him, especially if they tinker with the rules, that's for certain. it's uh, Well, they are, and, and who knows what the future is. But it, it would be a shame, I understand, the safety issues and, and all those conversations. But um, there's few things more exciting in my career calling games and few for fans to see Devin back there when you have a great player uh, do what he did and become the all-time leader in return touchdowns. Just fascinating how he managed to uh, to get it done repeatedly, running away from color that wasn't his own. That's what he did. If they had a different color uniform, he ran away from it. It had to be more than that. But it's you know not what? that simple. I, I'm, I'm glad that it meant enough to Devin where he and Matt got this organized with the Chicago Bears and came back and retired as a Bears because I think the Bears fans left a, re- a lasting impression on Devin and how much they appreciated what he did in a really exciting era for the Bears. So I, I like the fact that there are mutual respect on both sides to get this done. All right, we're going to take our first break of the evening. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls if you're so inclined. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. We'll talk a little Hall of Fame as well. Do Hester and Matt Forte have a place in Canton. We'll talk about that and, of course, the draft coming up this week. It's a big week in the National Football League. Can't wait for draft on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We'll break it down here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, 
and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. This is Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, and Jeff Joniak with you on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score. With you until 7 o'clock tonight. Hoping to hear from Matt Forte near the bottom of the hour or beyond as he uh, has to hit a flight. So we'll see if that all works out for us. But uh, it was great to see everybody. Uh, fellas, other guys showed up today. Uh, Charles Tillman. Um, Jason McKee. Um, who else was here? Uh, drawn a blank. Oh, um, Johnny Knox showed up today. So these are guys all important to both players. And Matt li- still lives in Chicago. His um, his wife is from Chicago, so he'll be spending some time around here. Thinking about maybe uh, hiring an acting coach, Tom. Well, I mean, we yeah, we all have to ha- <laughs> we we all have to have a plan after yes, we we, do. we get done playing. And that's the thing about it is you're not going to fill out an impressive resume saying, okay, I've been playing football my whole life. What does that qualify me for? But you see the success that other guys have had, and Matt is a super well-spoken, and he has all the qualities of anybody else. So if that's what he's um, thinking about doing, because it could help him in a lot of different avenues, not just acting. And, you know, there's so many media jobs now that you never know about what Matt's talent could bring. Well, I know Wednesday night he'll be joining us on Sirius uh, XM Radio. So he's going to start a little broadcasting a little bit. Uh, he'll be co-hosting? Matt Forte. Uh, yeah, he's going to join Pat Kerwin and I for about two hours uh, on Wednesday. And uh, um, and we're just going to try and go through all the running backs that are coming out in this year's draft. Who better to, to break them down than, than than Matt Forte? So And plus, you know, they're busy. They've got interests. I believe his wife's got a, a clothing line that, uh, that she's uh, really involved in, and he's got some interesting ideas. And he's been mature the the day he came out, out of Tulane. So expect great things from Matt Forte. Well, you know, he uh, and he came out, I believe, with a finance degree. So that'll always, that'll always work <laughs> for him. I, I thought he was funny because <laughs> at, the, at the Super Bowl, he sat down with, with Pat and I at Radio Row and he said, you know, he goes, I ought to patent the Hatriots because everybody hates the New England Patriots. And he came up with Hatriots. And I'm like, dude, you should patent that. And he thought about it. He thought he was going to do it. <laughs> and I think somebody uh, went out and ended up doing it anyway. But it was his idea. <laughs> Pretty well, sharp. In both cases, fellas, they, they're, they're going to focus on family. And they both mentioned that today, too. So they missed a lot, you know. And now that they have young children, um, they're going to spend time and they're going to be dads, first and foremost, and husbands and whatever else may come along the way professionally because they're still young men. And that's that's always the biggest, I'm sure, hurdle for a young man trying to figure out what's next, uh, even if no matter what level of football or what level of sport you ever had aspired to be and what you got out of your career, what's next is always is the big thing. And for Hester, the conversation will continue to be about the Hall of Fame. We touched on it moments ago. Uh, Bears chairman of the board, George Hallis McCaskey, today. Earlier this year, the Hall of Fame selection committee did the right thing and voted to induct Devin's teammate, Brian Erlacher in his first year of eligibility. We're confident that in time, the selection committee will do the right thing and have Devin take his place among the game's immortals in Canton. And Hester feels that he has a resume that backs that up. Sometimes you got to put guys in the Hall of Fame for being the most dangerous person out there on the field. And uh, when it comes down to coaches saying that the game plan to keep playing for this is the only way we win this victory is if we start the return game. When you have to face a guy like that or face a team like that, you have to worry about that. There's no no, no question about whether those, this guy should make it to the Hall of Fame. And, and fellas, uh, the, the 
lack of a better term, the ridiculousness of the idea that coaches, and he said, he, he told me that coaches and special teams, head coaches and special teams coordinator says, our game plan today included you not beating us. So if that doesn't speak of respect for the position that he put himself in because of his excellence and the special teams excellence of Dave Tobe at the time and, and the, the return units, the blockers in front of him, I don't know what does. Well, you know, um, Jeff, I spent my whole life on kickoff return, and I know the difficulty of getting perfectly organized kickoff returns where you create enough of an alley to get the returner to that, and then he becomes the greatness he has in him. And so I'm, I, I know what it's like, and that's what – you know, there's a lot of parts. It's not just – Devin's speed to run away from tacklers. It's the ability to anticipate how blocks are going to unfold in front of them, not only 10 yards away, 20 yards away, but 30 yards away. And there's high collision impacts that you have to make sure that you have the right balance. You have the right anticipation how a body's going to fly. So if you could take a kickoff returns of Devin Hester throughout his career and take him and play him slowly instead of watching De- uh, Devin, watch the blockers in front of him from the front line to the second line all the way back to the third tier. I think you'd be impressed by the organization of the blockers in front of them for Devin to have that success well from from his standpoint you just i'd like to go back and, and look at a real just how many teams that you know tried to pin him in a corner or or you know just how you can punt away from him and yet he still had the ability to return it when you, you know how it's set up perfectly uh for that or for that kick team to come down or say the punt team and how they're trying to pin him and they still could not pin him down i mean just incredible speed with, with what he had, and l- like Tom said, he's reading everything. He's, he's, his vision must be tremendous, how he can see all of that and process it to really you know, make the cuts that he's making. But he'll be the probably the greatest returner of all time. If, you know, if, if what, like we said about kickoff returns and what the NFL may decide uh, for more safety, you'll never see a player like this again in, in the National Football League. Impactful player and certainly has uh, a rightful place uh, in Canton for what he's done in his NFL career. Tom, one of those guys that would be on that videotape almost every time was Charles Tillman. You you can f- see him making blocks and running downfield with Devin Hester. Well, I you know, I think... That was the unique thing. You know, it was like playing with Walter Payton or or even Neil Anderson, the great guys you got to play with. You know if he gave him a little bit of a crease or you affected the integrity of a, a, an attempted tackler, then great things could happen. You know, you think a kickoff said Willie Galt returned in his career. If you got him to open space, no one's going to catch him. And I think when Jim was making the point of teams trying to put the ball in a specific space to limit Devin's success, sometimes you were creating a, a monster because now guys are trying to converge on the football. You're opening up portions of the field that they won't be able to get to, but Devin has his sights on. And it was all those instruments of attack that Devin was able to use, but I think it was a lot of pride in the players that blocked in front of them to let them know that if they could make the block to spring Devin, it was going to be six points. Well, the craziest thing, and we, we, we'd say it in the booth, Tom, there would be times that you can't kick it down the middle of the field to Devin Hester, and no matter how hard they tried, <laughs> sometimes they mishit it, and they kicked it right down Broadway, 
And here comes Devin for the touchdown. But you know, so. you're also putting a lot of punt, a lot of pressure on the kicker and the punter. If you're telling a punter that, listen, you we want the ball at the numbers. If that guy shanks the ball ten feet to the right or left, depending upon which numbers they're kicking at, then you're talking about it going out of bounds. And so, oh. it, it, there's a challenge for those guys also. All right, Tom, Jim, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk NFL draft and find out what's making news around the National Football League and how it pertains to the Bears, the eighth pick in round one on Thursday night. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Get exclusive access at the Miller Lite Bears Draft Party, April 26th at Soldier Field. Meet Bears players, hang out on the field, and watch the draft live on the video boards. Visit ChicagoBears.com. Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak. Here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score until 7 o'clock tonight. So, uh, fellas, what are we hearing out there? Uh, Jim, you talk about it constantly. You, what's the latest today? What are you hearing? Well, you just you always wonder, you know, how, how are these quarterbacks going to fall? And I think if, you know, if there's teams willing to, uh, to trade up, like, uh, you know, whether it's Buffalo or even Miami, supposedly Adam Gase is in love with Baker Mayfield, you know, would, would Miami want to jump in, into the top ten? or Buffalo, but I think, again, it's just how the quarterbacks fall. If, you know, the Browns go quarterback at number one, which I think everybody assumes that they will, whether it's Darnold or, or Josh Allen or less, you know, they t- throw a big curveball and, and take, say, a, you know, a Saquon Barkley or, or a Bradley Chubb out, out the gate. It's going to be interesting. But if it goes quarterback, then I think the draft really starts at the number two spot. Who's willing to trade up to that number two and is uh, uh, Dave Gettleman, their general manager, willing to move down and still get a good player? Because let's say if if Denver moves out of five and say like uh, you know like the Buffalo Bills move in there, they probably have to trade up again to get their quarterback uh, that they want at number two, and maybe the Giants could move down at that point. But I think I think Denver, Indianapolis, and Tampa really will be interesting teams because if the Giants take uh, take this make a pick at two, say it's Sam Darnold. Okay, or Saquon Barkley, or Bradley Chubb, if one of the quarterbacks, or if the other quarterback's gone, then I think the next willing trade partners would be Denver, Indianapolis, and potentially Tampa that would move out of their spots, and the Bears would be sitting there with a really a really good player staring them square in the face at the number eight spot. Hey, with all these quarterbacks up, is there any any chance of um, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers type scenario? That okay, we don't want to make a trade, but look, I'm going to pick this guy instead of moving around. Is there is there any likelihood anything like that could happen behind the scenes? I I, I personally don't see that because Cleveland has really, you know, for them, they've passed on so many good quarterbacks. Think about they could have drafted Ben Roethlisberger or even a couple of years ago <laughs> Carson Wentz. Think about that. They right. traded out of the spot. So I, I I don't think Cleveland can do that. They cannot play games, and they need to get this position right. Now, whether they feel the quarterbacks are rated that high, I don't know. We we, we don't know what, uh, obviously, John Dorsey's thinking as the general manager, but they know they still have to correct that position. So whichever quarterback they have rated the highest, you know, whether it's at one or whether it's at the number four spot where they have a chance to take again, you got to assume – one of those are going to be a quarterback. So I don't see them, say, if they draft Josh Allen. I don't see, and then the Giants draft Sam Darnold. I don't, I don't see a trade. I think they're going to take their guy right from the get-go uh, for both those teams because that's what they want and what they need. Well, we are assuming four quarterbacks will go in the top ten. Four, four in the top eight, yeah. right? That's yeah. pretty much an assumption. So, that being said, whatever cloud of players the Bears have, 
they're they're going to get a player of note in those top in one of those top eight picks. Should they stay at at number eight? All agree. Oh, you have to, Jeff. I mean, I I don't think you have the opportunity to. Uh, you don't have the ability to fail. I mean, you have to go out there and you have to make a pick. You have to take all this investigation of talent around the around the country and all the money you spent, and you have to whittle it down because you're not talking about going through pages and pages of players. You're talking about selecting a, a certain group and what is going to get your football team from where it's at to the Super Bowl the quickest. I, I always think it's funny because we always hear the teams that are w- willing to trade down, like John Elway already came out and said, yeah, Denver, we'd be willing to, to trade down. Just letting those teams down there, hey, you potentially you could have a, a spot here, but we never hear about the tra- teams willing to trade up. You don't hear GM say, oh, yeah, I think we, we, we want to get up there. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So they always try to play it tight to the vest, and everybody's kind of gone uh, dark r- right now, but it is is pretty fun. And we we said if there's there's been a record number of trades here this offseason, you just want if there'll be a record number of trades in this draft because teams have been willing to trade more often uh, with these somewhat younger GMs with how they're building their football teams. Jim, given that you are um, involved at it in such a daily level with with speaking to um, decision makers around the league and you're, you're going to be at the draft in Dallas and so forth, historically, what are these days like on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before the draft in terms of information and how do you process it as an analyst, because, you know, there's a lot of misinformation purposely put out there as well. So how, how, where are you lying right now in terms of what you hear? It was funny because uh, we were texting, Pat and I were texting. He was actually a former Bears coach, not head coach, but position coach. He's like, bro, our building is so <laughs> Everybody's on edge right now. Nobody's even allowed <laughs> to go in the draft board room. So it's like uh, everybody, you know, so it's true when they say that they've gone dark. And now it's just the general manager, the coach. And at some point, the general manager will meet with the owner. So probably like a Wednesday morning, or it could even be the day of the draft. They're gonna, the owner's gonna come in there. The general manager is gonna sit down and say, "Hey, here's what we're thinking. Uh, if this guy's here, we're, we're gonna take him. If our guy's not there, we're gonna trade out because we're gonna target uh, this guy." And so then the owner will ask him, "Well, what's what's the fallback plan? You know, so what do you do if our guy's not there and and our other guy we move down and that guy's not there? You know, we, they want answers." to all these scenarios that, that could unfold. And certainly that's going to be the deciding factor because ownerships normally are involved on that first-round pick. They want to be abreast of what's going on and who's going to be you know representing their organization and all those type of things. So, But they're still you know figuring out those scenarios. And I would think right now a lot of these general managers, they want to have these trades, especially at the top of the draft. They want to have them down uh, you know, in pen and paper so that they're ready to roll. They don't want anything, any last-minute, hey, we've we reconsidered or we've gone in a different direction. No, these trades have to be finalized. So when they go up to make that first pick, they want uh, everything in order so that they can you know, plan their draft accordingly. Yes, uh, you guys have poured over the information. Who's growing on you? Anybody, Tom, Jim? You know, who's grown on me is the defensive side of the ball. I got to say, because, you know, I think there's a lot of players out there that we not the Bears needed to get signed as free agents to kind of narrow down what the choices could be. And still, you know, I, I see a lessening of only Quentin Nelson's name at that eighth spot. I'm starting to see a, smitter, a smattering of 
different defensive players out there. And again, I'm I'm still my head's on the defensive side of the ball. All right, we'll break down. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I was I was going to say I was going to ask Tom this. Tom, out of all the players at the top of the draft, you can shoot holes in everybody. I don't think anybody has criticized Quentin Nelson for one thing. He may be the cleanest player in this draft because even Saquon Barkley, there are other backs that have done you know longer runs and and stuff like that that he gets people try and shoot holes in his game. I don't think anybody's tried to shoot shoot a hole in Quentin Nelson's game. He is that strong, and I think everybody views him that he'll be wearing a gold jacket someday. I I do have that respect for him. However, I think there's a couple players behind him that if the Bears could get down the road, you could still insert insert them as a starter. I just see a bigger needs um, at on the other, like yep. I said, on the other side of the ball. We'll find out who Tom's thinking about when we come back. This is Bears Hall Access. It is brought to you by IGS Energy, and we come to you on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Sign your child up for a fun, non-contact Chicago Bears youth football camp brought to you by Gatorade and Athletic Co-Physical Therapy. Visit www.bearscamps.com to save $50 today with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, Jim Miller, and you are on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score here for another 20 minutes or so as we break down the NFL draft coming up on Thursday night. Uh, we've talked about Quentin Nelson uh, as the Notre Dame offensive lineman thought I'd pull up some tape from the scouting combine uh, because there's so much discussion almost ad nauseum about, well, you don't draft a guard high, you know, you don't, you don't put that kind of uh, asset in there and use it on, on an interior lineman. But at the time, back in uh, late February, early March, he made a case for it. I think I should be talked uh, in that regard, the top five conversation, because uh, you have guys that are dominating the NFL right now and Aaron Donald, Geno Atkins, Fletcher Cox that have just been working on interior guys and you need guys to to stop them and I think I'm one of those guys. And stop them so the pocket's clean so the quarterback can step up as he went on to say Tom there. Right, I, and I agree with him. It, it's an important role nowadays in the new style of defense and the new configurations according to what offense they see. Um, but I think a real dark horse here in the decision-making process, uh, I mentioned it earlier, is Kyle Long. Because if Kyle Long's going to come out of the offseason healthy, he's going to be able to start somewhere in training camp and get prepared for the regular season. You know, Kyle's been one of the strongest, most powerful interior offensive linemen at the guard position when he's playing there and he's playing healthy. So I think he's a key ingredient here. And then you have versatility in the Hironis Grisou and Cody Whitehair. And so there's a lot of different elements in play here to make the decision on Quentin Nelson because there's also voids on the other other side of the ball. And you got to give Vic Fangio the right tools to be able to work his system correctly, efficiently in this division against the quarterbacks they're going to face, and even now with Kurt Cousins up in Minnesota. Jim? I asked a question today about Quentin Nelson. Hey, could he play tackle? And if he was a tackle, would he be now considered the best player in the draft? And I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think he probably could play tackle if he wanted to because he's got. I think his wingspan's like 82 and 5'8". It's ridiculous. And he's got close to 34-inch arms, so he probably could, and he's athletic enough to do it. But kind of like the discussion we've had about Kyle Long in the past, and Kyle, of course, is kicked out to uh, to tackle, but he's a pro bowl guard. And you look at Quentin Nelson, 
to me, that's what he's going to be, a, a multiple Pro Bowl guard. And you've got uh, a somewhat uh, shorter-statured quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky. Granted, he's athletic, but that is what New Orleans has always done. They've invested in their guards down in New Orleans for Drew Brees and, and his height. And I think it makes a lot of sense uh, for the Bears if they were to go in that direction, and he is there uh, for, for them to uh, to take. Because this guy, I mean, this guy is like built like a bank safe. Well, you know, I mean, Jim, week, unbelievable. week one crowd noise, Green Bay Packers, Sunday night football. Who did the Green Bay Packers just sign on their defensive line you know, in order to create some, to put some pressure in the middle of the field. So, you know, it's it's going to be where, you know, you're going to go up there and face a stiff challenge in a really hostile environment yeah. with not a lot of information about the defense that you're going to see. That, that's a good point because Mo Wilkins is a pretty good player. Uh, I think we, we know that. And I, I just, Quentin Nelson, I know Donald and all those guys are talented. This guy literally neutralizes all of them. I mean, he can neutralize them. I mean, it's just the movement he can get and the power that this guy brings to the game and how he just finishes things. He's he's an impressive guy. Now, he, he may not be there, and the Bears, like I said, potentially uh, could go in a different direction because there are uh, good players. We talked about Mika Fitzpatrick and the other guys that are there, but, man, this Quentin Nelson to me is, is a real deal. Do you have a different view of the draft after all, after what the, they went out and did in free agency in terms, in terms of shoring up the defensive backfield and then the quality of play? you're getting from Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos and Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamar and stuff. So have, has has your ideals or the views of the draft changed in, in three, two months, three months? No, not really. I still think uh, pass rusher, inside backer, we've talked about that. Um, and, yeah, I, I would not be opposed to them getting another cornerback, uh, I think, when you look at, on defense. I do think you can't um, – Neglect that side of the ball as well. There's no doubt about that. And they got back some of their own with the the guys that they re-signed, including Kyle Fuller, who is going to think uh, is just going to continue to excel with how comfortable he is in Vic's defense. But yeah, still, I think those areas of concern. If Quinton, I think Quinton's kind of a special player that you would take if he's there. But if he's not. Those other areas can be short up, whether it's a Roquan Smith or uh, we've talked about Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech as an outside uh, backer. I think he'd be an excellent choice. And, and Mika Fitzpatrick or Denzel Ward, uh, those will probably be the two top secondary players uh, there at that particular point because a lot of versatility by what Mika Fitzpatrick. And you can't be scared because Eddie Jackson performed pretty well at Alabama uh, last year. This Mika Fitzpatrick is a pretty special player in his own right. And he's got leadership qualities. Um, you know, I've never really been extremely vocal. Uh, my freshman and sophomore year, I just did everything right they were supposed to do, and people just followed. Um, but then, you know, my junior year, I was kind of challenged by Coach Saban, uh, my, deep, my defensive back coach, uh, just to be more vocal. And, I, you know, I had to call some guys out and get in some, some, uh, some scuffles or whatever, but you know, I did it because I loved them, uh, and I did it because I wanted to see the best uh, version of themselves. And he does look at himself more as a corner. He'd like to be a corner, but he'll be open to safety. He can do both. He could also handle the slot. And the, the guy, you didn't ask me. I asked you who's growing on you guys. But this is the guy growing on me is Roquan Smith of Georgia, who believes very much in the impact of the linebacker position in today's NFL. I don't feel like it's uh, underrated at times because some, some, a lot of teams know, you know, great teams that have great defensive players and more so at the linebacker position. Linebacker is huge. You know, you take control of the defense, you know, pretty much most of the time are the leaders of the defense. And you pretty much have to make a lot of plays and uh, all of the checks for defense. And I think that definitely good, very good linebackers can definitely elevate uh, defenses. No question about it. And he is an alpha.
He is, and he, you know, and he sh- he's shown great durability throughout his time in college, and he's been able to show up for every game, improve his stats year in and year out. And, you know, when you watch, you know, not necessarily just a highlight reel of him, watch a game film and look at the effort he gives for a second and third down and whether he's facing a 7-10 to 10 play drive or they're into a 3-and-out. He's got a great effort, and um, a, he plays at an intense level already in college, some of the biggest crowds he's ever going to face, and now he's going to come to this this level and bring all that experiences with him. It's interesting for for him because obviously you saw the reports today by San Francisco and and John Lynch, their general manager, said if anything comes out about that Reuben Foster situation, he will no longer be on that team. And you look at San Francisco, who's got the pick behind Chicago at nine. Tampa doesn't really need linebackers. They've already got a lot of run-and-hit linebackers, and supposedly secondary is their area of focus. You just wonder if if San Francisco would try to trade, trade up to number seven to try and if they were to to select Roquan Smith, because that could be an issue that they need to deal with with the San Francisco 49ers. Such is the drama of the first night of the NFL draft. It'll happen on Thursday night. Uh, We got one more segment to roll with you. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. If you have some final thoughts before we break tonight at the top of the hour, this is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago. Sports Radio 670, The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is orchestrated by CDW, CDW, people who get it. And Matt Forte certainly got it. He figured it out. Professional through and through. And he's joining us right now on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, and Jim Miller. How'd you process today, big fella? Oh, it was good. It was uh, an exciting time to be there again. Uh, you know, strolling back down memory lane. Uh, it was good to have my family there. Uh, my mom, my kids, and everything. And it's just you know, everything's come full circle, so it was really cool. Uh, and I would thank the Bears and the McCaskey family again for, you know, setting that up and uh, having me and Devin be able to do that and have a, a press conference and stuff. So it was awesome. Hey, Matt, you know, any player that has a lengthy career such as yourself and is so successful, his off-season commitment has most to do with it. How did that change throughout your career, and did it get more aggressive as you got older, or did you start doing things more intelligently? So as I uh, continued to play and, and um, I learned that it wasn't, you know, a lot of cliche sayings about it's not about how hard you train, it's how smart you train. And that's somewhat true, but you still have to train hard as well. Uh, I was talking to my wife and we were saying how we were kind of strolling back down memory lane as well, how there was really no off season because, you know, as soon as I would take a couple of weeks off uh, from the season, uh, I was back, you know, lifting weights really hard and, and uh, staying in the gym running. And uh, and then doing rehab all at the same time, really doing uh, what we call prehab, you know, working on stuff that or, or past injuries to continue to be uh, functional and keep your flexibility out there on the field. So I, I just wanted to be at my best uh, every time I'm on the field. Whenever my number was called, I just wanted to be able to you know, produce and provide. And, um, you know, I, I'm proud of the way I trained and, and uh, the, the things that I did and the sacrifices that I made uh, out there because it showed on the field. And, uh, you know, we had, I had fun out there, and that's the way you're supposed to do it. And uh, and I have no regrets about about doing all that stuff, and, you know, it was fun. But I also I, I think one of the things that, that um, just popped into my mind was that as a player, you also have to 
each year kind of as you get older reinvent yourself or rediscover some of the things that you do well and and try to perfect them and so you can't just you know do the same thing you did when you were a rookie or the or your second year because teams will game plan you and scheme you to try to shut you down and you have to read you know find different ways to to get get the ball or uh, or you know make plays out there so that you can be effective well, and uh, Jim Miller here. Congratulations again, Matt. And uh, and you are always ready, ready to go. Did today? Does it really put closure on it for you? Certainly, like you said, you said your goodbyes, and obviously your family and friends are, are there uh, to enjoy a special moment. But you know, as this whole process, I remember talking to you, talking to you at the Super Bowl. Hatreds. I like that. By the way, we still got to <laughs> pat that. But uh, you know, does it finally really put closure on it for you today about retirement? Yeah, it does. I think I think um, after I had announced it earlier um, via uh, Instagram, I think I kind of continued to process it. But I mean, it's it's you know something that you're retiring from that you've been doing your entire life, some from a little kids. So it still takes some time uh, to continue to process it and transition, you know, away from football. And uh, you know, nobody said it was going to be easy, and it doesn't have to be you know super hard either. But um, you know, there's no uh, particular way or, or you know, uh, path that is designed to, you know, I guess people um, transition out of the league, you know. And you see a lot of the statistics of, you know, guys who struggle and stuff with you. There are a lot of guys that are successful after they leave the game as well. And, um, you know, I just, I just I was prepared. Uh, I had been preparing myself um, all through my career. I knew I wouldn't play, you know, forever. So you, there always has to be that time for, um, you know, life after football. Just like when I was preparing to try to go to the NFL when I was in college, I had to, you know, get my education and get a degree from Tulane so that just in case I didn't get drafted or I didn't make it, uh, you know, I had something where I was able to continue to, uh, you know, live my life and, and have purpose. So, uh, there's a lot of things that I'm going to be doing and, and want to do outside of football now, and uh, I'll have the time to do that. Matt Forte with us. Our remaining moments on Bears All Access. Matt, what did you think about what Devin Hester had to say and how emotional he was today about his career? Yeah, it, um, you could tell that you know it really started to sink in for Devin uh, there today. And, and, I mean, hats off to Devin, I mean, for the career and, and, and everything that he did uh and I mean, there's there's a, a, a lot of names and a, only a select few names that you think of when you think about Chicago Bears football. His name is going to be one of them. Uh, you know, he he made his mark on the game and on this this city and the franchise. And uh, you know, nobody can take that from him. So uh, it's something that he worked so hard to do as well. Um, and you know. It, he goes back to thinking about a lot of times, just like both of us, when you're out there and you're a young kid and you're you're living in this is your dream, and we're actually living living out our dream. And when that dream comes to an end, you know it's something else that you got to do. So uh, it really sunk in for him, and he was really emotional about it. And it just lets you know how much he he really loved the sport and how much he appreciated, uh, you know, being able to uh, be of that less than one percent or whatever. The, the statistic is, it's, you know, billions of people in the world and even less of that is, um, you know, football players. Is, you know, I think, what, 1,500 NFL players? And, you know, to be one of them is, is amazing. So, uh, 
you know, I was uh, proud of Devin as always uh, for what he did. And, uh, you know, more than what he did, he was a great teammate. I mean, he was like a brother as well. We all still keep in contact and, and hang out whenever we're in the same city. So, uh, you know, I, I love Devin and his family, beautiful family that he has. And, and I, uh, you know, and I, as I was watching him as well. Well, Matt, um, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're traveling tonight, so uh, we're going to let you fly. It's been a it's been a great day, and it was great to reconnect with you. And uh, we wish you nothing but success, which we know you'll have in whatever walk of life you're going to choose. Now, I, I hear you're breaking into broadcasting next week, so good luck. <laughs> I need I need some I need I need some uh, some pointers from you, Jeff. Uh, you know, oh, you, we'll you, you we'll set that. you up nicely, man. You know that. All <laughs> softball. You, you got that iconic voice, man. Yeah, right. You know, anyway, I gotta learn how to get that. He that, is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm ridiculous. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Matt. Matt Forte joining us as we say goodbye tonight. Thanks to Tom, Jim. And Shane Reardon, Herb Lawrence, as always, and most of all to you for listening. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, PNC, and Ford.